What is good? And welcome back to the Roll Blob Podcast. Andy, we breathing over there? No, we are not. Um, at least I hope not, because I am ready to die right now. We are on suicidal Andy watch. It's bad. That is fair, but don't worry, listeners. I am making sure that he's okay, calling in every half hour. Uh, the Reds just lost a mere three hours ago. Um, we were recording right before the crappy Thursday night football game. We didn't deem it worthy to stay up for. So you are due for a very, very passionate Andy rant because the Muskies remain the only show in town. The Reds and Bengals remain cursed. Shouldn't have fucked with Bo Jackson. Um, we had a great show. We interviewed Adam Baum, the beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers at the Cincinnati Inquirer. It was awesome, very informative. It's going to be a little Xavier-specific. We also talked about the Big East, but all kinds of good stuff and a really good inside view on the team. Should be a great show. We've also got some uh, sexy Lexi Twitter, Chris Mack and uh, Coach Cal. Uh, with a better debate than uh, the presidential debate. And we got all kinds of agendas to push per usual. Andy, I'm pumped. I, despite my sadness right now, I'm super excited for this episode. You guys are in for a treat. <laughs> I'm glad the Bob podcast gives you a reason to stay alive. But uh, let's get to it. We'll cut to Andy Mack. Okay, and welcome to the show. So, full disclosure here, yesterday we, we interviewed uh, Adam Baum, and right before that, the Reds had lost a 13-inning heartbreaker. We're recording this three hours after another Cincinnati Reds heartbreaker. So, I think it's only necessary to go right to Andy and let him, uh, let him uh, state his grievances. Andy, you want to you wanna go off and, and t- talk about your thoughts real quick? Man, I don't even know if I have thoughts after that. Like, <laughs> yesterday... Like we had, uh, we had eleven hits in a baseball game without a fucking run. We had thirteen innings and we couldn't muster a fucking run. Records are made like, to be broken, Andy. I honestly, we it was a record-setting season, record lows here in Cincinnati. I honestly do not think there is any reason we can keep Alan Zinter, the hitting coach, because one, his resume fucking sucks to begin with. Is um, he fired yet? But it is three hours after after we got fucking embarrassed set a postseason record for most consecutive scoreless innings, and that dude's not fucking fired yet. That's a joke. Uh, his, his resume sucks to begin with. Like, um, he has two seasons prior to this as a major league hitting coach, both of which were with the Padres, and they were dead last in batting average and dead last in on-base percentage. He obviously got fired from that. And we've picked this dude up from fucking Air Force. He's been a journeyman. <laughs> He's the definition of a fucking journeyman, only the, for a coach. And that's Fuck you, Air Force. <laughs> I really Fuck want to be on a fly, a fly on the wall um, during that interview. And with Dick Williams being like, looking at his resume and being like, all right, yeah, you're fit for this job. Like, how yeah. the fuck can you look at that resume and think, all right, yeah, this guy, we just spent $160 million in free agency. Yeah, let's have this guy fucking ruin them. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just an absolute joke. and it, It's on brand, man. Bell's 
uh, decisions yesterday. I like I was I was at Holy Grail and the entire bar was streaming Walk Freddie Freeman. The winning run was on third. Yeah. He had a base open. This is the NL fucking MVP going up there. Why are you not walking him? Behind him is a guy who was absolutely no threat in Martel Ozuna. He was absolutely no threat yesterday. He was just like the most contact he made was a lazy fly out to right. Like go face him with the with the game on the line. No, we decided to pitch the NL MVP, and what happens? He gets a fucking hit. The mustard across the only run of the game because one, your offense sucks, and two, I, of course, he's going to get that fucking hit. God, I'm not happy. <laughs> so, Andy, great rant. I, I would say just take a two minute breather if you want, and I can, uh, if you just want to grab some bench, I can go in and, and take the slack for you. I, I wish I could say it was the first time I've ever seen a Cincinnati game where I could say any idiot would have known better, but I feel like any idiot could have known better. And uh, I did get off the phone, Andy. You'd be happy with, uh, with Mick Cronin. He said the pitching wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, I, that <laughs> he said, right he said the defense it. and the pitching wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it was not. Yeah, the starting pitching gave up zero runs yesterday and one yeah. run today. Um, starting pitching absolutely just was not good enough. Like, you can't blame this no. on the offense at all. 22 innings, no runs scored for the Reds, but it was the problem was the defense. It definitely was the defense and pitching. You know, they just they just weren't tough enough. I mean, we no, probably get no. the football team and get tryouts going. We're good. Yeah, we will be having tryouts tomorrow at 9 a.m. to see who's going to Memphis. Uh, so, <laughs> real tough. And uh, in line with that, I saw another uh, Cincinnati coach. I saw the O-line coach say that Bobby Hart's playing the best football of his career. If that's the best football of his fucking career, <laughs> then I do not want to know why that dude's on the NFL roster. Oh, man. I so I it's, it's brutal. So I don't know about you, man. If you're willing to just let the red stuff go, take a deep exhale. We'll see our congrats to Jonas Hayes. And uh, if you want, to, we can put, those, put this one to bed unless you have more. Like, the only thing I do have to say is the Braves are a very, very good team. I am shocked. I oh, the Braves are only, fantastic. Like, That's my little, like, my little take is like we're the seven seed against the two seed. The Braves – are a really, really good baseball team. Well, they're a fantastic baseball team. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't understand, like, the major heartbreak. Like, and the Reds, honestly, is as bad as the offense was. I mean, this is the team that they are. They have the pitching, you know. And, uh, I mean, you easily could have won the first game. I think they competed, you know. It's not like they were – I mean, they didn't hit. But, I mean, they actually kind of hit. They just didn't score. Yeah. But, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, what were, what were we expecting? It's, it's like the equivalent of being, like, a – you know, 12, 13, 14 seed in the tournament. Like, you're not really expecting to win. Well, um, the way we finished the season, we absolutely were right. expecting to win. Um, yeah. The pitching was absolutely phenomenal. You cannot waste a Bauer start like that. That was one of the best postseason performances I've ever seen. And he's defense wasn't good enough, though. Winner. Uh, so, wasn't a fan of the defense. Oh, like, the defense and pitching, absolutely phenomenal. They, they were <laughs> well scouted. They, uh, they were in the right position. Good positions. enough for Mick. They they did a very good job. It was a very good Mick Cronin game. <laughs> very Mick-esque game. Very Mickey game. Yeah, and they did what they could. And I think that if you're a Reds fan, though, I mean, obviously they lost this year as a seven seed, but you got to feel good about the future of that franchise. It, it just depends. We got to first uh, – the first priority, bring Trevor Bauer back. Give him the key to the city. Got to bring Trevor <laughs> Bauer back. I'm yep. not – I don't have very high hopes for that because like, he does want to go play for a winner, and when have we ever been a fucking winner? Um, but you have the you have the roster though. I mean, you got close. So I, f- I feel like it's not like you went you know in a regular season you didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that'd be a tough sell. I don't think it's an impossible sell. It might not happen, but it's not an impossible sell. It's not impossible. Like, and, and he does seem he does seem to like it here. We let him be himself. I mean, obviously he's a he's a troll. He's a big personality. 
there's a lot that Trevor Bauer wants to have freedom on, and here he has that freedom. Uh, yep. So time for I a citywide Bauer. It's a hard sell, um, but I think we need to make a top priority. Throw him yeah, whatever no. check he wants. No question, man. Write write the blank check and let him sign it. Uh, but in line with that, uh, more Cincinnati news. The Bengals did Cincinnati things, and they tied the <laughs> Eagles after <laughs> in overtime. The only two teams to tie of all time, and twice. Uh, like we did with McNabb in 08, where McNabb thought there was going to be a double overtime. Uh, <laughs> I so, forgot there was only one overtime. <laughs> exactly. I actually may or may not have bet genitalia that the Eagles were going to win the game. I should have worded it better. It said the Bengals wouldn't win. Um, so I was half right. Uh, I just knew the Bengals, that's not a game the Bengals were going to win. But, uh, <laughs> Andy, what are your thoughts on that shit? <laughs> See, my thoughts, that was like, that honestly feels like a loss. Oh, um, absolutely. A tie, a tie is the worst. I hate a tie. Ties. might be worse than a loss. Yeah, there's just and no like, no closure. I feel like we had the game won, and then we have a stupid um, 15 yard penalty uh, that that absolutely should not have happened. Uh, and then we we just let them march down the field with our horrible defensive scheme. And then, I mean, what I loved about Zach Taylor is the fact that he was like, more aggressive than Marvin Lewis. But then there were t- there was twice. I mean, we kneel at the end of the game to at the end of regulation to go to overtime. Okay, I kind of get that. You don't want to throw a pick six when you're about to get overtime. But at with 13 seconds left in in overtime, I mean, you're, we're, yeah, we're on our own 10 or 15. We have a long way to go. He just runs the ball up the fucking middle. You and you have a guy wild. like Joe Burrow who's wired to win. He's wired to try to win no matter what. And Burrow's you great. tell him to not win. Burrow was awesome, and I, I kind of feel the same way about watching like a Jordan Doc in the first couple of years where they were trying to put Mike on a leash. And he's just like, Stan, fuck these guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> you cannot like, I feel, put guys like that on a leash. I feel so bad for Burrow, man. You got to let him go out and compete. And uh, I think, to me, the most shocking part, where one, Wentz looks terrible. And two, why the fuck did the Eagles try to get a field goal there at the end? Why punt that shit? Um, I have no – you have Jake Elliott, who's – I mean, you were right in, uh, right in line for his uh, career long, which I get the fact that if he misses, then the Bengals get the ball at the 50, which that's a lot more – um, but with like 10 seconds left or whatever yeah, it was. We had 13 seconds left. Yeah, like, I, I did. That didn't make any sense. You expect to me. this Bengals offense to um, make a play downfield? Yeah, that made like, no sense. Yeah, Doug Peterson, you got to give your chance, give your team a chance to win. That was that was honestly, that, that was weak. Right. As we would say in the group chat, Andy, go Muskies. <laughs> go Muskies. It is time. Which is, and they're which always is my just, number one. Exactly. That's just like our phrase when. You know, stuff gets off the rails or there's just, you know, BS Cincinnati crap. Go Muskies. Only show in town. Go Muskies. Uh, and you can honestly tell uh, – you can honestly uh, know exactly how the Reds are doing based on three words uh, or three or four words, whether I say baseball is stupid or baseball Fuck is you, not Yukon. stupid. <laughs> Fuck you, UConn. <laughs> Fuck you, baseball. <laughs> today, fuck baseball. <laughs> yeah, fuck, all my homies hate baseball today. No, but, but the, I mean, it's obviously better than not making the playoffs. They made a great run. You feel good about the future. Go and, yeah, we, we have a good young core. Um, just just got to bring Trevor Bauer back. I think Castellanos comes back. Uh, I don't think he made enough of a case for him to make bigger money than he's going to make the, uh, mm-hmm. with the $18 million next year. So I think he does come back. So that's, that's good news. Just got to bring Bauer back. Go Muskies. Go Muskies. Uh, <laughs> go Muskies. So real quick, I'm going to talk about Xavier TBT. Uh, For sure. So nothing too crazy, and I don't want to speak too much before stuff is done, but I think it's at the point where we're – the parties are being talked to. 
there's the right people in power. Stuff is getting relatively official. Um, and it won't be official interview from what I've heard. There may or may not have been a zoom interview with verified Twitter accounts. Uh, and you may or may not be hearing from the GM of the, uh, the Xavier TBT team. May or may not be. Uh, we it's may or may not have a I, I, hey, It's cap. It's cap. Yep. It is, it's all it is cap. cap. <laughs> it is all cap. Um, so that's – it's awesome. And uh, there's, there's a lot of good stuff I think is going to be coming down the pipeline here very soon. Um, so just keep an eye out for that because I think it's real and uh, I'm, a, I'm a man on a mission. I mean, Andy's a man on a mission. I'm sorry. <laughs> Andy's, abs- Andy's absolutely a man on a mission trying to get this done. So uh, just know that there's good news coming out of there. and Literally every single day, more, more shit's coming down the pipeline. So uh, I hope that soon there's an official announcement there. Wait, um, um, so you know how the uh, NBA jerseys have the, ad- have the advertisements on the um, chest? Yes. Can we have Cap Industries on the Zip Em Up team? Um, Cap Rizzi? Industries is up there. Sparrow is up there. Uh, Dickies. You know, we got all kinds of there's – a, there's a lot of sponsorships coming down the pipeline right now. So we're trying to decipher through and see where we want to go with that. Broken Anchor <laughs> has given us a big offer. So um, they, they drop bags. <laughs> they're big bag droppers. And, and you, know, and you know how we are. I'm the GM. You know, I'm a shameless bag chaser. So uh, <laughs> I, will, I will absolutely let you know. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite story of the week was sexy <laughs> Lexi Twitter. Yes, not 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 Trump and Biden, Cal and Mac. Mac brought that freaking heat, Andy. Uh, he was dropping he bars. We had seven not dimensions. It was <laughs> it was almost Allen Iverson practice esque. It was See, awesome. Right up there with Allen Iverson practice or uh, Tim Tebow. I'm excited. Um, exactly. It was a it was a classic, and I mean, really, as electric as a college thing has happened, probably all off season. I mean, it, and, and that's what I love about this kind of stuff. And I think there's so many people that get like up in arms, and you get the the gif of uh, Liam Neeson or not Liam Neeson. I'm sorry, uh, dude from Grand Torino, blanking on the name, where people just like get off my, get off my lawn, you know, kind of thing. It's just like, dude, let them be exciting. Like the personalities make it make it fun, you know, and the rivalries are to me what make college sports, you know, special. The emotion and, of rivalries, like, that, that's what makes, that's what makes a, the rivalry great. Like, we see good games between two great teams a lot, every single season. But when those um, two teams have emotional bias against each other, like when they yes. do not like each other or there's, there's beef, man, that game gets ten times more emotional. <laughs> I'm currently living in Kentucky, uh, not to, not to self-diss, uh, but we were literally watching the news and, you know, we were just, you know, chilling, eating dinner or whatever and turn the news on and it's Mac on the news, you know, his Twitter account, you know, it's just like, and especially in Kentucky, like that's all they got is the Louisville Kentucky stuff. You know, like, that stuff is, is everything. So, I mean, just seeing it all over the place was absolutely awesome. And uh, as a former Xavier fan, like that's classic Mac, you know, that's just who he is. And I, I love that about him. But we talked about that a little bit with, uh, with Adam Baum. And I think with that, we should get to this interview. Uh, this, the beat, the beat writer for Xavier Musketeers with the Cincinnati Inquirer. He was absolutely awesome. Uh, another Andy, just complete snag of an interview, and one that we just absolutely did not deserve. We are here with the Cincinnati beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers, Adam Baum. Adam, what's good? How we doing, boys? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Appreciate your time, man. Uh, I, I imagine it's it's a we're recording this on a Wednesday. We just saw the Reds lose a 13 game heartbreaker. I imagine it's a better day for Coach Hayes and Coach Steele right now. 
Yeah, I talked I talk to Travis this morning, and you know, I think people don't really necessarily understand how big of a Reds fan he is. Um, I spoke to him about this, and, you know, his grandparents were huge Reds fans. They used to come to Reds games when he was a little kid. And, you know, I talked to Jonas recently as well. Jonas is a, is a Georgia guy, and Jonas was like, I got the MLB network. I don't miss a game. So, you know, for two basketball guys, they've got that baseball gene running through them. And uh, Coach Hayes is obviously having a better day than Coach Steele is. I'd imagine. I, I heard you say today they won't even watch the games together. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure how much Travis was joking or <laughs> right. if that was authentic. But um, I think Jonas is like, you know, we, we want to talk about how bad the Reds have been and how bad we've got it as Reds fans. But, like, I think I saw today during that game, like, the Braves have been, you know, they've gotten to the postseason a lot more, but they've gotten there and lost immediately quite a bit. So I think Jonas is a little bit apprehensive too that he's been snake bitten recently by the Braves. So <laughs> I don't doubt that. And he's stuck with the Hawks and the, and the Falcons too, so it can't be that good a time out there. No, not yeah, not really. He's used to heartbreak just like we we Cincinnati fans are. Although although he's used to a little more success, and we're used to immediate heartbreak. That's true. That's all right. We become, so, we become quite accustomed to losing here. That's very, very true. Uh, Muskies over everything. But uh, so I imagine you saw the uh, the Mac Cal uh, saga last night. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, honestly, I like it kind of gassed me up a little bit. I'm I'm all for it. Like, I think that's something that, you know, college basketball needs more of, in my opinion, like. The, the idea that, like, you have to button it up all the time and you have to you, – you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, I, I'm all for the war of words. I mean, I, I was talking to someone today and I was like, just, just because of that one tweet last night, that one little video, how many more people do you think are going to watch that UK-Louisville game this year? It's going to be – it's going to be can't-miss basketball. It's going to be heated. Um I love it personally. Bring it on. Yeah, I think agree Max more. has been like a troll his entire career. Like we, we saw the picture of him wearing the Big East um, pullover the first time we met Dayton since uh, since we joined the Big East. Uh, he does little there. things to like get under people's skin. He's very good at that. So I I absolutely love that video. It was right on brand. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I actually wanted more from Cal. To I wanted him to fire back to really get that pot stirring. But, I know, man. I, I was expecting that. Now, I think his tweet response was like six words. It was like, oh, December 26th. Could not so, have been more toned down. So when are we going to get the Travis Steele video where he says, whatever is most convenient for John Brandon? <laughs> well, see, I, I think that, uh, you know, because Mac already did it, I don't, I don't think Travis can pull that off right now. No. Uh, you know, Travis That's talked weird. to me today, and – you know, I think because of the fact that, that Travis and, and John Brandon are, you know, they kind of came up together. They know each other well. They've been in this town for a while together. I think that they're they're kind of taking it more respectful right now. And I, I don't know that it necessarily will stay that way. I don't know that it's inside Travis's character to kind of go sh- full on shots fired. But, um, you know, the, the rivalry, it, it like – People are curious, is this game going to happen? And you know, the fact that they're, they're still trying to figure it out, um, 
I, I don't know what to think of that. Part of me thinks, you know, you could look at that very pessimistically or the optimist in me says, you know, well, Louisville and Kentucky are going to do this. Why can't you see in Xavier? So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think we might be getting close to, to finding out what's going to happen because as Travis said today, it's like Xavier needs to know. And by the same side of that coin, UC needs to know because if you're playing that game, then you go start scheduling the next game. Like it, it, if you're not playing it, then you need to fill that date with somebody else. So it's like, this is a pressing matter for both of these schools and for both of these fan bases. No doubt. And I've heard it said multiple times when it comes to scheduling, they like to sandwich that game between multiple days prior and after, because you know, that game's just such a beast, takes so much energy and it can either screw you over afterwards with a huge letdown or, you know, before you're looking ahead at that game. So that's a huge, huge piece in the schedule probably the biggest of the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you make a really good point because I think oh when was it the was it the brawl year when I think oh. that game like Xavier just kind of imploded and it's like mm-hmm. that's a really good point because you want to try to be as thoughtful <laughs> and when you plan that game you know that the the game before it's probably going to be a bit of a knee knocker you're going to be hopeful not looking ahead. And then you got to think about the game after it, too. So it's like there's a lot to think about in that one little game. We've seen it make or break seasons. It, it, it broke the two Holloway season, and it made the Lionel Chalmers season. I mean, it, it's yeah. made and, and, and break seasons. So, yeah, it's crazy. But let's transition over to the, uh, the team this year. What are you seeing so far or not being able to see, but at least what are you hearing out of the team so far? Yeah, you, you touched on it, uh, not able to see. So it's like <laughs> it, this is such a weird year for everyone. Um, But for me in particular, like, this is my third year on the Xavier beat. And, like, I have an office at the Enquirer that I never even go into. Um, Xavier, for all this pandemic, I got to just work up at Xavier. I just sat in the media room and did my work in there. And legitimately, the last two years, I probably went to 90% of the practices. Um, Travis is really cool about that. And this year, obviously, things – things have changed quite a bit. I got to go to one practice and uh, they've since pulled the plug on that. So I got a small little taste and, you know, I've been a, I've got good relationships with the coaches. So, you know, I talked to them about, Hey, who's doing well, who's looking good. Um, but, you know, this year is just, it's going to be so unique and, and we're going to hear about this a lot, but it, the, the thing I keep coming back to is like under normal circumstances, it's who is the best team who's playing well. And this year it's going to be, yeah, who's the best team who's playing well. But the other huge piece of that puzzle is who's going to get lucky and not have a positive test. Who's going to get lucky and not have a positive test two weeks before March Madness starts. You know, that's, that's going to be a huge factor that comes into play this year. Um, So I think right now Xavier's just kind of, taking it slow, taking it steady, trying to, to build up some momentum and navigate all this and work their way through it because they've never had to prepare for a season like this ever. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, what, see them when they're finally on the floor. And, you know, the other thing I kept thinking about today, I was just kind of thinking about the season ahead. And, you know, ordinarily you've got a closed scrimmage, you've got an exhibition game, you've got some opportunities to kind of ramp up into the season. None of that this year. 
the the first time we see this team take the floor, it's going to be in a live game that counts. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a whole new dynamic for a basketball team. They've got to be ready. So, oh. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's going to be such a weird season. And I mean, obviously uh, we have a couple of the games uh, set. We don't really know what's going to happen before those big games, as far as like in a tune-up games, but uh we, we really need this team ready. So as much practice as they, as they can get, as much time on the floor um, in practice scrimmages, that's going to play a lot bigger part than it typically does. Uh, so where I want to go is um, – so obviously you can't get into the practices, but you're in constant communication. And you, you see a lot and ha- have a lot of great stories. Um, who on this team is – the big surprise that no one really talks about or who should we be on the lookout for this upcoming season? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And actually I've thought about that recently and I I keep coming back to, I think I I can kind of go one of two ways here. Um, You you look at last year and you look at what that team did and kind of the, the one, the one guy who was on the floor a lot, who I thought kind of raised more questions that he answered was was Caps boy Jason Carter the Cookie Monster? Yeah, love well, well, Jason Carter. <laughs> and I, felt, I felt like there were way too many games last year where he didn't look confident in himself. Where you know maybe he kind of deferred to other guys on the floor. That's one guy I think. Hey, you got through last year. It wasn't perfect. Yes, there's room for improvement, but I think his game suits up really nicely to have a strong year. So that could be a guy that I think surprises some people with turning it around from last year to this year. The other guy I think is uh, Nate Johnson, the grad transfer from Gardner-Webb. I think he's going to be a guy who brings experience, who brings athleticism, uh, who's a guy who can knock down perimeter shots. Um, That's, to me, you know, I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on Scruggs. They're going to be on Fremantle. They're going to be on Kiki Tandy. Um, but I think Nate Johnson's a sneaky guy who, who can come in minutes. And not just that, but I think he can score. I think he's athletic enough to play in the Big East. So those are kind of two guys that I have my eye on going into the season. But the, the other guy I don't men- that I didn't mention is uh, Deontay. And Oh, yes. I just think that his skill set – you know, I wrote a story earlier um, a few – maybe a month or so ago about – how Steele really wants to change the offense, how they're doing something different, something that they've never really done since he's been at Xavier. And I think Deontay Miles is a huge piece of that because he's talking about we want to play with pace, we want to play up-tempo, we want to get out and run. Well, for being 6'11", um, I think he's approaching 230 pounds, he moves the floor as well as anybody. Um, you didn't really get to see it last year because he redshirted, obviously, but he's – a difference maker he can he with him on the floor if he can produce they can switch one through five on ball screens he can come out, play away from the basket um and you know he's going to be a menace in transition man so i those are kind of i know i didn't narrow it down to one guy maybe three those are kind of three guys that i would watch for to to kind of make some waves and those are three guys that we really don't hear much about. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to hear all that information. Um, Nate Johnson has been my guy ever since uh, he committed um, after, after being a transfer. I love the fact that he can bring perimeter shooting. Um, he can kind of create his own shot. 
So that, that's really going to help us spread the floor, which is something we've really needed the past yeah. two years. Haven't had much of that the last two years. And the, the, and one, practice, <laughs> the one practice I did go to, it, it seemed like Nate Johnson and Paul Scruggs, to me, just kind of watching them interact, that they already have a nice dynamic going, that they're really comfortable being next to one another. They, they were talking, joking around. So I, I take that as a real positive sign if you've kind of got those new guys already integrated into the fabric of the team like that. And no, that, no doubt. Here. Sorry, Andy. Um, at this point in the season, where would we normally be in practice? Like, how many practices do you think they would have under their belt by now? Well, um, so it's, it's a little bit weird because the way that they allow them to prepare for the season, like right now, official practice, official has not really started. Like right now, I think they're allowed like 12 hours a week of some sort of skill workout type thing. Um, right. Like full blown, like practice starts 40 day, 42 days before the season opener. Uh, so Actually, at this point, I think they'd probably – if the season start date was what it normally is, they'd already be into full practice right now. At this point, now with that start date pushed back, they're in that 12-hour-a-week uh, period. So it's like I think right now only one day a week they're on the floor together as a whole team. So every day, I think for like five days a week, they – it'll be like big men are out there together and guards and point guards. So it's like, they're kind of split up a little bit, but. Interesting. And like you were saying, I mean, this is, we kind of heard in the NFL, it's like if you're bringing a new personnel with the way that the landscape is now, it's a tough year for that. So, and this is a pretty touted freshman class. I mean, Duane Odoms is as big as a recruit is probably since Trayvon blew it. And they're expecting a lot of these freshmen, at least the fans are. Um, what are you hearing from the freshmen, obviously in a, in a tough season for a transition? Yeah, I think it, Number one, it's got to be so weird. I actually, I, I spoke to them for a story about this and I, I just think back to myself and like showing up at college. And I remember, you know, a whole week basically dedicated to figuring out where all my classrooms were. And like, <laughs> you know, like they don't get this like normal introduction into college. It's this, it's this very different thing. And, and luckily for this group, I think Travis made a really, really like strong effort to bring in like high character guys, guys, you know, you don't have to handhold necessarily all the time. So I think these guys have acclimated really well. I think that they've kind of leaned on each other. And, you know, the one thing that stood out to me when I got to go up there and watch them was how well all three of them complement each other. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Dwan. It's like just a freak athlete. Um, and a winner, like uh, a dude that is highly competitive. And I, you could say that about all three of these guys. But And then with Colby, I know to steal a quote from Travis, he really is a Swiss Army knife. And the thing that stood out to me about him was how smooth he is with everything that he does. Just it looks like the game really comes naturally to him. And then CJ is just a sniper, dude. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's really interesting to me that for a freshman – to watch like the confidence that CJ, you know, like you, you see a guy just approach the three point line and you can tell whether or not he's comfortable. Like mm -hmm. CJ, I never saw any doubt in the way he handled himself, like squaring up to take a jump shot. So, you know, obviously it's going to be different when the lights are on and 
the the stadiums packed, but I just think each one of those guys brings something very important to this team. And I think uh, this is one of those classes, you know, you mentioned Trayvon Blewett and how like that class really carried Xavier for a, a period of time. I think this, this class has some of that potential in them. And, you know, obviously Deontay Miles is technically now part of this freshman class. So um, all four of those guys, yeah, they, they have potential. So I think that Xavier fans should like that. You hit it on the head. I was looking at the roster, and it's like six, seven, eight newcomers. You know, if you count the redshirt freshman, Daniel Ramsey, like there's a lot of newcomers that are going to be here this season. And you touched on Wilcher. I think he's going to be torching YMCA's for the next 40 years. I mean, he's just got that old man. I mean, he's going to be torching dudes at the Y until he's 75. His shot is so <laughs> smooth. So, so Yeah, real old man's game. But he's, he seems very confident. But like you said, I'm kind of just looking at the personnel and the breakdown. Like, it just seems like a much different roster just from the makeup of just the skill makeup. Would you want to touch on what you kind of see as far as maybe a different kind of offense they might be running or how the team might look? Yeah, you know, I, I had a similar thought myself in that, I, I personally felt like for Steele's first two years as, as Xavier's head coach, he was really kind of handcuffed by the personnel. Um, mm-hmm. Much has been made about how terrible they've been shooting the ball the last <laughs> and how they've really relied on attacking the basket and playing paintball and posting it. Um, I think because of the personnel they have now, I think that Steele's kind of <laughs> – like laughably so ready to move away from that. Like I I have a story coming out here pretty soon about how Steele has been spending his time during the pandemic. And uh, it's, it's quite interesting when you find out that like, this is a dude who since the pandemic started has not watched one second of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime. Like he watches film and particularly, he's gotten very into watching European basketball during <laughs> this. And, Crazy. Uh, That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's just uh, – and I, I think that he's going he's gonna to kind of spread his wings a little bit offensively this year. And I think he finally has the pieces to do that. Um, now, obviously, the, the big key to the puzzle is like, they need to make shots for this to work. Like you, you have to have guys on the perimeter that can, that can knock down open looks and that's going to kind of open the door for everything else. But what, what I found really interesting was like, we talked about preparation and how important it is, especially in a season like this to, to be prepared when, when things get going and like Xavier's been spending a whole lot of time, working on an offense that they have not run since Steele's been at Xavier, like since 2008, 2009. So this should look a lot different. Um, It should, it should be a lot more fun, I would imagine. Uh, But yeah, it's like, I I keep thinking, you know, how bad I want to go up and watch and just see what it looks like. And right now I can't do that. So (laughs) I spend way more time than I should just thinking about it, but it, It'd be fun. I, I think I'm a, like Xavier fans should be excited for something new and something different. So that'll be cool to see how they can pull it off. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually really excited to see like what this offensive looks, offensive scheme looks like. Cause I mean, we've all known, known Travis as like an offensive, an offensive guy. Like yeah. in the past couple of years, he's had to put the emphasis on defense, but he's, 
an offensive mind. I mean, we saw with the uh, uh, Trayvon Blewett and JP Makira uh, team, like how smooth it was when you can when we can spread the floor, have many different weapons on the outside. I'm really looking forward to seeing that again and not clogging the lane like we've had to see the last couple of years. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's made for like we're going to slow this game down to a snail's pace and we're just going to try to beat you up physically inside. And I don't think that's necessarily the way he wants to play. Um, and he says it a lot in his post-game press conferences, you know, shooting, shooting cures a whole bunch of like. Yeah. So um, <laughs> if they can make shots this year, I think, I think they're certainly, certainly capable uh, of competing in the Big East. I know that the, we may talk about this, but, like, the, the top tier of the Big East is, is going to be hard to crack with Creighton and Villanova. But oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be – it's going to be a gauntlet this year. We know that. Yeah. I don't see any reason why, if this team plays to its potential, why they can't compete for that third spot, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah. – to me, the drop – like, yeah, the, the level between Villanova and Creighton is going to be substantial. Um but for everyone else, I think it. I think it's open season. Honestly, couldn't have said it better myself. I think they should absolutely be punching for that third spot. And like you said, maybe we can get into the Big East a little bit. It's it's a slugfest once you get three through three through nine. Honestly, probably. Yeah. Um, what are you expecting for, around the Big East? I, I think that Villanova is going to be more true to like elite Villanova as opposed to like good Villanova. I think Creighton's going to be a monster. It's going to be fun with UConn. What are you expecting? And now, especially now, we have twenty Big East games. Yeah, Villanova is going to be scary, man. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned it; like elite is the perfect word. I, I fully expect them to just be a juggernaut this year. I know Xavier fans don't want to hear that, but it's a reality. This um, is what it is. Will yeah. they shoot sixty-five percent from three? <laughs> only, yes. Only when they play Xavier. <laughs> yeah, only right. at the same <laughs> time. Um, and you know, Creighton's kind of interesting to me in that I thought one of the things. That, that really made Creighton tough is not just their ability to knock down shots, but, like, they had a lockdown dude in Tyshawn Alexander, and now he's not there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's going to be opportunities to score with Creighton. Yeah, you, you have to defend. You have to, to play them tough. But they have, you know, Zagorowski and, and Mitch Ballack, and they're, they're going to do what Creighton does, man. They're going <laughs> to basketballs from the sky, and they're going to – <laughs> They're going to continue to rain them for the entirety of the game. So, uh, but yeah, outside of that, man, when you think about the Big East, it, it's kind of hard to put your finger on that next team, in my opinion. I know, uh, you know, the, it's going to be a, a slugfest, and that that's what I've come to love about the Big East, you know. Best. Who knows? Who knows? We, how many years until we're talking about the Paul at the top of that big? <laughs> I, I, think, I think one maximum, one maybe two. <laughs> we're big to Paul stands here. Polly Polly Caps take them to the guys. Polly Polly Caps take them to the promised land, Bob. You know that. Yeah, they they keep getting. Uh, I don't I don't know how they're doing it, but like I I'm really curious to see what their recruiting ranking was like the year before this, this 2020 class, or I'm sorry, 21 class, because it's got to be going from like outside the top 100 to the top five. They were an absolute joke. Wild. What's crazy is I don't think they've been that bad. Like they, they recruit 
actually at a somewhat decent level. They'll get a four-star or two, but it's a problem is you're recruiting against big East schools that are getting three and four. You know, Nova's yeah. getting four or five a class. Um, so it's just tough to fight that uphill battle. But I don't think they're that bad. It's, I don't, I'm not here for the DePaul slander. Because it's wild because they beat Texas Tech last year. They entered the conference slate like 12 and two, top 90, 80 in the Ken Palm. But they just get beaten up because it's just the, the Big East will cannibalize yeah. itself. There's no days off. Have you guys ever gone to to DePaul and, and seen a game in their in their gym? I have not, but Rick Carter gives me crap for it all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> what What's interesting to me is like, yeah, it's not an on campus arena. It, it's actually, from what I've been told, it's quite far away from the college campus. I think like a half yeah. an hour or something like that. Um, and, and I know that they haven't been very good, but it's like it is a a dead atmosphere. It it is like. I mean, for for being a Chicago basketball school, you would think that they could get like a rowdy group, a rowdy crowd in there, find enough people to fill that place up. Like, it doesn't really make any sense to me. But, um, and, and that's kind of what what I find interesting about like landing quality recruits is like to me, and you know, I know everyone has their own thing, but I'd I'd much rather go to some place like Xavier or some place like Creighton where it's, it's going to be rocking every single time you're out there on the floor, as opposed to somewhere where it's kind of like, meh, there's a game, you know, it's just, right. it's interesting, <laughs> but it, it's be, way better for the big East. If the Paul can actually put it together and, and continue this. And, Oh yeah. Like we, we need every big East team, especially the old big East teams to be good. It's just that much better for the brand. Now, I did um, go ahead and do a little research um, based on your question of what they were recruiting before this year. Nice. Um, Thank you. Last year, according to 24-7, their recruiting class was ranked 117th. They have the 117th ranked recruiting class coming to this season. It was one three-star named Kobe Elvis. Um, the year before that, they were 34th, so they're right around where we are. Okay. It's not that bad, though. Oh, yeah. So they, that, they just had that – they had that blip, but it's like to go from outside the top 100 to, to inside the top five, like how often does that happen? I mean, that can't happen that often. I'm starting to think that the haters are calling it a bag drop bomb. The haters are calling it a bag <laughs> drop. <laughs> Andy, you want to get into the schedule a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, before, actually, before that, we were talking about the roster. Um, I need to know what's happening with Ben Stanley's waiver. Good question. Yeah. Like, where, 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 where are we on that? I, I asked Travis about it today. He said, you know, it is, it is in the NCAA's hands. They have it. Um, and, you know, it wasn't necessarily – I had an idea of how this has to play out. But, you know, basically Xavier spent a lot of time, you know, making their case and, you know, kind of laying out the facts. Like, here's this, this, and this. This is why he should be immediately eligible. So what the NCAA has to do now is they're going to contact Hampton – they're going to kind of ask about the back end, what happened there, all that good stuff. I'm guessing that they're probably just asking to make sure that what he told them in his waiver is accurate. Um, and then the NCAA will also contact Xavier. So to my knowledge, uh, Travis did not say that the NCAA had contacted Xavier yet. So, you know, we may have a couple more weeks in this saga, but <laughs> of course, <laughs> I, I take it as a very promising sign. You know, I've seen a few that have been rejected by the NCAA. 
the vast majority that I've seen have been approved. And from my understanding of, you know, his waiver claim, um, I think he has a pretty good case to me. So I'd, I tend to lean optimistically, but we, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, like, to your point, we're talking about the season. It's less than two months away, and here's a guy that could potentially be a serious piece of the puzzle, a guy that's on the floor a lot, mm-hmm. and you don't know if he's going to be available this year yet. So, like, you're, I'm guessing that Travis is preparing under the assumption that he is available so that when that comes through – you can kind of just hit the ground running, but that that's kind of a, a huge unknown hanging over this team's head. I mean, and he gives them something that I think they desperately need. And that's like a, a really physical athletic presence who can score. Um, that's, that's what Tyreek was last year. Ben Stanley's not Tyreek Jones by any stretch, but he has kind of that edge to him. I think that, that this team will need. So I know that the guys are very eager to find that out, but (laughs) I think we got a little bit more to to wait here. Well, we've got John Rothstein's notifications on. We got John Rothstein's notifications ready to rumble. We're just waiting for the tweet. (laughs) We're waiting for that Rothsteinism. Oh, it looks like Cap left the call. That is a little odd. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but um, he has the information. I'll be waiting for him to. Get he couldn't handle heat, Andy. What? Well, <laughs> he couldn't handle this. It got too, too much for him. And we have too much personality for for little Captain Xavier. He's not used to this much interaction. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't bullshit the way we do. And uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and um, and move on from Ben Stanley because we have quite the time to wait. Although I'll still keep pushing that agenda every single day. Um, <laughs> Just but, keep putting it out into the universe. It, it'll eventually happen. And well, we need it to happen because, I mean, like, like you said, um, he's a huge piece of the puzzle. puzzle. Like, I mean, we have Jason Carter who's a major question mark as far as his physicality. Ben Stanley brings that physicality that we need Jason Carter to bring. So yep. if Carter doesn't have it, we have Stanley, um, especially with our, with our schedule. Like we're starting to um, – we got a couple dates. Um, November um, 25th to the 27th, we have the – Orlando Invitational. We already um, have the um, game with OU for the Big East yeah. Baseball Challenge. What at else home. is kind of looking at? Like, what's what else is kind of looking at? Looking like? Yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, the shootout is going to be uh, hopefully on the schedule. We'll we'll see how that necessary like how that plays out. But um, you know, then you also have Wake Forest in the mix. Um, I don't know that. I don't think there's going to be a Gavit game this year for Xavier. I think that's going to be pushed to next year. Um, but, you know, right now, really one of the things that I'm interested in from Xavier's point of view is, is how many games are you looking to play? Um, you know, you automatically have 20 on the schedule from your Big East conference portion. You, you've got Oklahoma squared away. You've got a, a – Orlando tournament that's going to be three games. So right there, you're up to 24 games. Um, And and it's really a question of how high do you want to go? Because I think – there he is. I think uh, because of how difficult it is right now for them to schedule people to actually, you know, get games on the schedule and get firm contracts, 
I, I just – I wouldn't be shocked if they don't come up short of getting to 27, honestly. Um, I would think that they're probably going to try just because, as we've already mentioned, you know, you do have so many newcomers on this team. You probably want to give them as many opportunities on the floor together as possible. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the interesting thing to me is are they going to try to get to 27? Can you – sorry, can you confirm that we're going to get the home-and-home home with Kentucky and fill Louisville spot? <laughs> trying to break some news right now, man? <laughs> oh, hey, I'm trying to see if we can get a scoop. <laughs> uh, God, you know, I just think, like, that would be, that would be so cool. Number There's no way. To get to go down to, to play <laughs> Kentucky and have him come back. But, I mean, you know, Mario's the mastermind, dude. I wouldn't put anything <laughs> Uh, I was just joking, but I, I would love to swoop in and steal Chris Mack's spot. I mean, we'll do whatever's convenient for Cal. I mean, I don't want to speak <laughs> for steal or anything. But. <laughs> Never mind the fact. Uh, like, especially, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. team like Kentucky is, if we were to, like, take that opportunity and go beat them, that is some incredible exposure. But it's like no. it's kind of a win-win for us. Like, if 100%. We were to you, know what, you know what that would be, Andy? That would be downright bananas. If that <laughs> downright that is the hashtag. Bananas. Downright bananas. <laughs> I knew he was with it. I'll happily fly to Kentucky on my way out to UCLA to, to visit Mick Cronin. I mean, I'll happily make is, that stop. Wait, is is Mick still going to be there, or is he going to be? <laughs> oh, he's the Clippers coach, man. That, that's yeah. what's happening. I thought he was doing both. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be next level, man. It's his city. It's his city. That off. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be impressive. That'd be legendary to take two teams with second round exits in one year. <laughs> he went there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he went there. Hey, they might win a tournament game this year with the all inclusive tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and they might win the round of 360. They could That's be cool. Very true. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't do it. They might be cool. Cupcake <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> Love this. You got to get a, get a gratuitous dunk every once in a while. Adam, have we? I don't think we've gotten into your background. So this is your second year, or have you done two full years, Thex? Yeah. So you know, it's a really convenient starting point for me. I my first year was Travis's first year, so I've had you know the last two years under my belt. This will be my third. Um, and to be honest, like I I love it so much. You know, it's I I've I've been a fan of you know, college basketball, sports in general, and getting to follow Xavier around and do what I do. It's just, it's pretty cool, man. I knock on wood quite a bit. So that's awesome, man. Living the dream. Yeah. And, uh, where all did you come up from? So interestingly enough, um, I graduated from elder in 2006. And Notably. Then, then I uh, go <laughs> Then I, went, then I went to UC, actually. I got my my degree at UC. So Should we end the meeting now? I'll pump or? the brakes. Pump the brakes. He was smart. He was smart enough to come on this side. Pump the brakes. He's good. Well, the, this has been, you know, well-documented and well – and yeah. people tend to bring this up from time to time with me. So, um, luckily, though, I, I had really good practice for this because, you know, I got my start covering high school sports at the Enquirer. And – you know, being the elder guy that I am, like, I had to cover playoff games where Cole Rain just completely kicked elder right off the field. I yeah. had to cover St. X winning a state championship. So you you kind of swallow your pride and you, you have to put that stuff behind you. And it, it's like I tell people all the time, like, 
I, I get to I get paid to cover Xavier. Like, I, how dumb would I be to let right. to school, you know, ever yeah. impact that or, or affect that? If anything, what this job has taught me is like a, a lot of the things that that I came to really like about UC when I was there. I've gotten to see it from the Xavier perspective from doing this. So it's like, I completely understand why people love Xavier. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's pretty cool to, to get to, to be on both sides of the fence, if you will. And we're from Cincinnati. So swallowing our prides in our DNA. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. hundred percent. I have a quick question. I need to know how the blob is doing. You think, you know, he or she's in mid season form. I mean, it's, it's in the podcast. We got to know. Any scoops? So, a, a fun story for you. Um, you know, I mentioned, I, I don't think we were recording yet when we were talking about this, or maybe we were, but when Xavier, before all the pandemic, they used to just let me work in the media room. And, you know, when I'm there for a whole day, I'm doing my work. A lot of times, like, I get up and walk around, and I just, you know, walk around through CentOS. I walk up and down the steps. Not brag. I have seen the blob training in silence with no one watching, just ready for the Oh, it's, it, you know. Beautiful. <laughs> quite the sight to see, man. It's like you're watching it. You, you know that overused quote? It's a cliche, but it's like, it's, who are you when no one's watching? <laughs> the blob right there, man. No one was watching, and the blob was just out there working, getting ready. I- I got to get a montage going, weighted tongue lifts, you know, just with the, with the weight vest on, rolling down Sintasi. I, I got to oh get that montage. Just Love to see it. Thanks. That'll make the listeners at home feel really safe and secure. Absolutely. Glad to hear that. Even more important than the team news. <laughs> People are really just here to listen, like to hear about the blob. That's, that's the namesake. They just want to hear about the blob. The blob is a legend, you know? It's, no doubt. And my aunt was the blob once. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I bring it up all the time. Yeah. Um, her, her, roommate, butt, her roommate was the typical blob, but she was too drunk to perform the blob duties. So my aunt, who was a little less drunk, had to take the, take the reins that game. What a call up, though. Like, right? you know, oh. you're just going to a game and someone's like, hey, we need someone to blob. Can you? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the sort of thing that people dream of, I feel Answered like. the call of duty. That's that's my dream, personally. I, yeah. I'd say it's in my DNA. So, whenever – if the, if the blob gets hurt, I mean, I'm right there in the minors. Andy, Better. real quick, good idea. How electric would it be if I was D'Artagnan and you were the blob for a game? Sintas would be rocking. I'm saying. We need, I, we need to talk to Mario. <laughs> I don't know that people could handle that. I mean, no. that's a whole lot to handle right there. They'd be more uh, entertained by us in the game. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. But it would help. Andy, you got anything else, brother? I actually have one more question. Uh, yeah. I'm a Northern Kentucky guy. I've known this guy's family my entire life since he was in the second grade. Um, I got to know how the greatest assistant coach on the planet, Leighton Strand, is doing. Oh, Leighton? Yes. <laughs> Microwave man. <laughs> So Leighton's good, man. Um, I got to talk to him after the practice that I went to. He's – it's weird, you know, because, like, now he's technically a coach. So when you watch him at practice, like, he's got to wear a mask. And uh, the one practice that I came to, it was interesting. Um, They were doing kind of like a soft high ball screen 
and Leighton was one of the defenders, and he was just giving the freshman fits, man. He was just like picking on him, downright. <laughs> on him. And I, and I talked man. to him after, and he was like, that's what they need. That's how, that's how they're going to get better. So it's like, yeah, Leighton's transitioned into a coaching role, but when you're a grad assistant, man, you're essentially there to practice. Like mm-hmm. you are doing everything with the team. You're, you're one of the, the premier scout team guys. So Leighton's going to be raining threes in practice for the next two years. Love it. Elliot. I feel bad for him because all I see is him holding the pad on all the videos and Fremantle and Stanley just coming down Broadway and just lighting him up while he's holding the pad. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's not a, a comfortable place to be at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not it man but but good for Layton though that's awesome that he got that position though like good to keep it in the family for sure yeah definitely 100 <laughs> percent. bomb you've been awesome with your time and i've been like a kid in a candy store just asking you xavier questions you with the inside track man you've been great i appreciate it anytime man are you are you game ready you ready for some uh for some quick fire it wouldn't be the roll blob experience without it I'm ready. I'm ready. How did, how did Fanta do in this portion of the interview? Fanta brought it. I don't want to. I don't want to lay the pressure on. He brought it. All right. I would expect nothing less from John. You know. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm, of course. I'm trying to work. On, I want. I want to get John out for a round of golf. So when the I've been pan- doing the same. I'm trying the same thing. Yeah. When the pandemic <laughs> over, I'm trying to get him down here. I'm. I'm here for it. I, I would love okay. to see his golf game. I imagine he's got a Charles Barkley looking swing. <laughs> it just in my Actually, mind, that's what it looks like. I bet you he cooks it around that course. I bet oh. wherever he needs to go, man. I bet he shoots low eighties. Okay. <laughs> I, I guarantee he's better than me. I'm terrible. All right, you ready to get it? Let's go. Game mode. Right. All right. Three, two, one. Let's go. Favorite season. Fav- oh, autumn, fall, dude. Oh, money. Favorite office character? Dwight. Cash. Favorite non-elder GCL school? Oh, <laughs> this is so tough, man. <laughs> Give me a curveball on the third pitch here. Um, <laughs> so, so I guess, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, my dad went to Oak Hills, so I guess I'll, I'll say Oak Hills because of that. That's a, that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. If you could dye your hair any color, what would it be? Purple. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Does pineapple go on pizza? Not for me. Ooh, okay. What, ooh, what's your answer. favorite gift? Oh, that's so good. Um, <laughs> God, there's so many. I know. You can go roll blob if you want just the cop-out answer. That that would be a good one. Um Something with Denzel. I feel like Denzel, can, uh, he gifts really well. Um, so gifable. Yeah. My man. Like, and that's how our relationship was born, so I'm cool with the Denzel gift. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you could live in any city for a year, what would it be? Austin. Good answer. Favorite yeah. actor of all time? Or actress? Um, let's go... I really like Sean Connery or Harry. <laughs> okay. Harry, maybe Harrison Ford. You oh, know, okay. Indiana He's a legend. Jones, Indiana All Jones right. has a, a place in my heart. Okay. Here's an, here's an Andy question. So I'm not taking the credit for this. If there's three urinals in a bar bathroom and left and right are taken, do you split the uprights? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. No shame. Favorite, favorite sports movie of all time. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll throw you a curveball myself. Nice. 
you know, real, realistically, we could go Sandlot, we could go Hoosiers, sure, we could go Bull Durham. Um, but for some reason, any given Sunday has always spoken to me, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. I know this is a speed round, but there's a story behind this. Okay. You're good. I, uh, when I was in high school, I took a speech class. And the rule, like our, our final exam was we had to give a speech in front of the class. And we were allowed to do the speech authentically. So if it had like curse words or whatever, you were allowed to say them. And I picked Al Pacino's Any Given Sunday speech for my project. Um, and I just, I, I still know every word of that. So that's that that's legendary today holds a spot in my heart that's legendary that's a good answer yeah. feature mountains uh mountains do you have cargo pockets on your khaki shorts negative no. good man good, <laughs> good man. man nike or adidas uh nike all right last question favorite sports memory of all time oh that's that too is a good one um it's probably there was uh, – I was fortunate enough I got to be a part of two state t- championship teams at Elder. And uh, so I was a sophomore on the 2003 football state championship team. And then I was a junior on the 2005 baseball state championship team. And both of them were awesome. But I was a bullpen catcher on the baseball team. And in the last inning of the state championship, we were getting a guy loose down in the bullpen. So we ended up keeping the pitcher in. And he strike. He gets a strikeout for the last out. We win the state championship. So you get to sprint from the bullpen all the way into the field for a dog pile, and like that sprint was probably the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> like Todd Coffee for real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that's incredible, man. That, that was epic. You killed it. I think you did better than Fanta. I, I'm saying it. You can talk shit on the golf course. That I better. I did. A, I did better on the speed round than you, man. You got him. What's up, John? How you like that? <laughs> you like I'm that? sending that. I'm sending that clip to him right after this. <laughs> What's up, Fanta? Dude, you were great. We really Thanks appreciate your time. Yeah, it's fun oh, talking to you guys. It was a blast. Yeah. Anytime, man. You were great. Yeah, man. Awesome stuff there from Adam Baum. Just fantastic. What do you think, Andy? I was just like, I mean, being a diehard Xavier fan, it was like I was just at school in my favorite subject and just listening to the teacher talk, and I'm just in awe. It was great. I mean, and, and who would you be able to talk to that would have more of an inside view than literally the coaching staff? <laughs> like, I mean, he, he, like you said, he texted Travis Steele and Jonas Hayes, and they responded immediately. He's very close to the staff, very close to the team, and – there's really no one better. The only other person that I can think of that's on the same level would have been Shannon Russell. We don't have her anymore. So, Yeah, it was honestly almost kind of a selfish move from us. I mean, as diehard Xavier fans we are, we try to cater as many people as we can. But for us, it was just – I mean, we were just grinning ear to ear the whole time, just loving it. So, uh, fantastic and uh, really appreciate it. And stuff that doesn't make the interview, I mean, the nicest dude of all time. Oh, God, yeah. I, I don't think he had any negative thing to say, even though – even when I found out that he – uh was a UC was a UC grad like <laughs> yeah had nothing nothing negative to say and really uh just went right, went right along with it super nice guy only two character flaws went to UC and he's a GCL guy but we're willing to look past that we can absolutely look past that he's one of, he's he, one he, of us he's, he's our dude he's all for one and one for all so just fantastic stuff but uh so a huge thank you to Adam Baum but we got some relatively breaking news Adam uh Doc Rivers in the last half hour has 
accepted a job with the Philadelphia 76ers. And I, as soon as I saw that he was let go and I saw the Sixers were in, interested, I figured that was a, a no-brainer. I mean, right. That, that's um, – He probably could have done better shocking. and the Sixers probably couldn't have done better. They, they really couldn't. He's, he's an incredible coach. Uh, he's just got to prove that he can uh, get over that hump. I mean, he won a championship with the Celtics, so, I mean, it's not like he can't do it. With incredible teams, though. Like, oh, yeah. I, so I'm a proponent of coaching's overrated in the NBA. That's – I am. I mean, like, the teams with the best players normally win, but I think it's important. I'm not going to say it's not, but good luck with Joel Embiid. Who I'm, I do not stand Joel Embiid at all. I, I do not stand, stand Joel as Embiid. as an individual player. As a leader. As a talent. A team, absolutely not. I, I mean, I think he's incredibly talented, but I think between the ears, I mean, how much junk he talks for, you know, next to no winning accomplishments at all. Doing he, well, he, I don't think he'll ever play a full season, and uh, it's nothing super personal. I just – that's not the guy that I want to be my best player. I would not build a franchise around him. No. That's my personal take. And then they have no shooters, I mean, around Ben Simmons. Uh, so, I don't know. They're, they have their work cut out for him, even though they have a ton of talent. Ugly, ugly team. They need to. They need to fill that floor shooting. So a guy like with a point guard like Ben Simmons, who's six eight, has a great passing ability, but no jump shot. He needs shooters to dish it out to. He needs uh, the defense to have a reason to not clog the lane. Like it's that team right now is exactly the Xavier team that we watched the last. I was literally going to say the same thing. Like they remind me like a bunch of really good individual pieces, but it's like Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, like fantastic players in their own right, but they don't really complement. Ben's like who your best players are, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, so it's it's an interesting interesting situation there. They at least have assets, which is better than a lot of teams can say. And and they do now have a very very good coach. And that is true. So that that, that will add to it. But personally, like my prediction, do I think it brings a championship? I do not. No. And congratulations on Mick Cronin for running him out of town. Yes. Yeah. Like, now officially Mick Cronin City. He is now top dog in Los Angeles. <laughs> that's just true so with that we might as well talk about the nba and uh i wish we had more to talk about but the lakers absolutely trounced the heat in kind of a you know a, a bloodbath i mean it's gonna be uh, uh, there's a lot of attrition for the heat i mean butler had an injury bam's down i know Rock i'm missing one it, yeah it was just kind of brutal and uh it uh it doesn't i don't know i think the the fat lady's warm with the vocal cords She's getting warmed up. She's in the in the Mirror Lake High School Musical. It's early. It's it's one game, but yeah, exactly. It's it's one game, but it it was hard to really draw anything positive from the Heat there. Uh, I mean, in, in the uh, series, they were already super uphill. It, like they're, they're already big underdogs. Um, now I think they're a little bigger underdogs, um, especially with I mean Bam and Dragic are both doubtful, and that's your uh, third and fourth option. So. I really right. don't and, and see is, much positivity yeah. for the Heat there. Right. But we have seen teams get blown out in the past and then come back and win an NBA Finals. We saw it in 2016. The first two games of those finals, the Warriors absolutely wiped the floor with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is possible. It's just one game. They're still, they still got to um, – like, they just got to win four to three. And Crazy three things have there. happened, and I think the Heat have enough depth and enough dudes that can do it to where you're not out of it but the Lakers have looked as dominant as any team in the playoff. It seems like LeBron is absolutely on a mission. LeBron's on a mission. Anthony Davis is actually the best player in the world right now. Um, KCP is um, showing that he belongs on an NBA roster, finally. Um, 
Danny Green's hitting threes. So, yeah. like the Lakers right now, I'd say four to one at the worst. Can, and they got Contavious Caldwell Goat. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say it. I'm I'm willing to admit when I was wrong. <laughs> Thank God. Never thought I'd see the day. He belongs as the twelfth man on an NBA roster. Yeah, we got him. <laughs> Got him, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Ask me that is a, ago, a turnaround. Say, no, that is a turnaround. We freaking got him. Leave it to the Roblox podcast. I, I, I do give him. him credit. I mean, he came in and uh, I mean, he stepped into some pretty confident threes and and knocked them down. And I mean, he mm-hmm. had nine quick, nine real quick points, and then got to the line, you know, got got himself a tenth with a beautiful free throw. So yep, like, that first half he looked like a very very good player. Well, the Lakers have done exactly what the Sixers need to do, like we talked about earlier, and they've just surrounded LeBron and AD with shooters. For sure. I mean, even which if, is like, Which is the LeBron blueprint. Like, he's still a threat. Right. You get a bunch of gritty dudes, Kuzma can make plays, and, and you got Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and, and shooters outside. So, I think they've got a great setup, and it's going to be really tough for the Heat. I mean, the Lakers have the best two players in the series. Yeah, like, and, that, that's, and that, that's with Jimmy Butler on the floor. I know he's yeah. he's banged up as right good now. as we as much he's as tough. yeah as great as Butler is I mean LeBron and AD are probably at top five I mean maybe six or seven but they're both superstars yeah, they they're absolute absolute superstars and they're on, and LeBron's have one superstar in total right now yeah you think you think Jimmy Butler's a superstar I I do call him a superstar especially the way he's playing he's right quite now. on that level I don't think he's quite on that level but he's you know he's up there I think he's top fifteen ish like, he's um, also playing one of the be- some of the best basketball of his life right now. That's also true. Um, like, and, he, but, and he's just a winner. Wherever he goes, he wins. So Very true. I would call – I'm putting him in there. Yep. Moral of the story is good luck, Heat. I, I, I mean, it would, be, it would be a win if for entertainment purposes only if it's a five- or six-game series. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, get the NBA a little, more, a little more money, but I don't see any way the Lakers don't take this. No, I I think LeBron's got his fourth ring, and it would take a lot for that not to happen. And also the craziest put-back dunk that probably never counted of all time. At the that was going to be the most forgot-about dunk I've ever seen. That yeah, absolutely wild. Wild for a year 17 player to be doing that. I've never um, ever seen – I've never have ever had a shot that didn't count get me off my feet that quickly. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we have another agenda to push. Um, and that is in line with what happened in the ACC today. They have voted to wear polos this season, I which is huge stand. news. Probably the biggest news that we've had all day. And for non-baseball fans, the biggest news we've had all day. I just think it's wild that, like, MLB coaches – like, MLB – what do you call an MLB coach? A fucking – what's the name? Yeah, manager. Thank you, baseball. Uh, thank you, baseball, Stan. Uh, they wear a fucking jersey, and college coaches and basketball coaches are wearing fucking whole-ass suits. It, like, it's absolutely insane. What like, are we doing? I, I, I've never been a huge fan of the suits in um, coaching. Now, as a coach myself, I will absolutely wear a suit because that's what the college coaches do. And it, uh, So, like, I'm, I'm all, I've, I've done it a thousand times. Uh, I've worn a suit to a game. Uh, yeah, it's so it's I'm wild. Board, but why? I've never understood why they need to be in a full ass suit with the hair slicked back. Like, why do you need to look like you're interviewing to be the CEO? 
completely unnecessary. And it's also funny, Rick Brewing said this on Twitter today, like denormalized former athletes, like trying to figure out how to dress like super fancy. Like <laughs> a lot of these guys like have no business. Like, I don't know. It's like all you've worn is jerseys your whole life. And now you're trying to wear like these thousand dollar suits and shit. It's just way too much. Like, why are we doing this? Right. Like, I mean, at least like you got to know how to dress and you got to dress for yourself. You've never had to dress like that. Why are you trying? So with that, what we're doing for our jackass hour tonight is our power rankings of non-suit clothes we'd like to see coaches wear. And can't I cannot be more excited. Can't beat it. So you ready to open the beers? Absolutely. Bud Light is All right. right now. Grandma, go to bed. <laughs> Let's crack these beers open and get to it. All you right. want to hit it with number 10, my dude? Right. Number 10. We got ourselves a hula skirt. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, That's how you kick it off. And honestly, I'm going to be honest. When thinking of all of these, I thought of Mick Cronin wearing them and which one I thought the funniest. I would love to see Mick Cronin out there in a grass skirt with coconuts <laughs> over the nipples. And he's got the legs for it. He does. I mean, he, he definitely has the body. He's as tall as most hula dancers. And, I mean, he's just got the moves. <laughs> He's, he's so active that that grass would be swaying everywhere as he's yelling at his teammates to rebound. Like, and I've ne- I would never see an angrier hula dancer, and that just excites me. Best luau of my life right there. Can't beat that. Hashtag toughness. Get the pig roast so, ready. Mick Cronin's on a grass skirt. Can't beat it. At number nine, we've got the Big East Fanta suit. Which you have, if you haven't seen it, it has all the Big East logos most importantly, it doesn't have the UConn logo on it. Because they're not a Big East team. Fuck you, UConn. last time they won a Big East game? It's been a long time. Clearly not a powerhouse. Not a blue blood. <laughs> Fake blue blood. So, yeah. I mean, anyone in the Big East suit, that's the only suit that will allow Andy in our college basketball is the Big East suit. The yes. fancy suit. Yeah, that is, that is the only one I really care about. Uh, only a suit that is allowed. And that's just because it's so, it's so beautiful. I, Especially when a guy like Fanta, like I think of John Fanta standing next to uh, um, Mike Anderson wearing that suit. That would That's be incredible. absolutely fantastic. Or Patrick Ewing. Or, or a Wojo. <laughs> <laughs> Wojo in that be suit would be beautiful. That'd be absolutely the best. That, no, no better floor slap of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Fuck the, the the next Duke coach. The, I mean, he's already it's it's his job. We know that. We just got to start thinking about who you want next. They're grooming him. I know. I'm available. He, he's already putting the staff together. Love to see it. All right, what's the number eight? <laughs> All right, we got number eight here. We got the MC Hammer parachute pants. <laughs> I feel like all these apply to Mick Cronin. Uh, it absolutely does. That's exactly what I thought of. Like, That's who we had in mind for, like, for the whole ranking. <laughs> can, can you imagine? Like, um, so here's the uh, – on the opposite side of the floor, you have a missed foul call. And, of course, I mean, the coach is livid, just, like, going everywhere. And these big-ass pants just following him. And you might as well just, like, um, <laughs> shuffle across. Right. And, like I- – I feel like he could just wear it all the way up to his neck. He, uh, just, just, a, probably just a parachute. Even. Just a parachute bodysuit. That'd be three times his body. It's just those, <laughs> really just those pants. 
<laughs> just a floating head. <laughs> just a giant floating head. Which, I'm here for that. Nothing like, scarier than a floating head. Heads having those gritting teeth. Oh, that I is know. A, that's a sight. That is absolutely a sight to see. All right, all right. Who we got at seven? Nothing better than that. At seven, this is more of a serious one to get swagged out. We're thinking '90s starter jackets. That is, that's a winner right there. Could you imagine just like getting your whole staff in starter jackets, like matching starter jackets? Whew. We'll start and uh, oh, what kind of shoes they gotta wear with that? Like starters. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like a tracksuit. I'm thinking you're wearing like those, um, like those pants that like the old Adidas sweatpants that had like the, the stuff that like goes weaker, weaker. You know, when you're walking <laughs> by, you can like you can hear the kid running when he's wearing them. You know, what I'm talking about. Of course. <laughs> I don't know what you call that material, but uh, you're, you're wearing like a whole tracksuit. It's kind of similar to, to, to Bob Huggins, but just, you know, not as squishy. Not as squishy. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Huggins, as much as we like to talk our shit, he grows on me the older I get. He's been doing it right for years. He's the only guy in the NCAAs, you know, like, fuck this shit. I'm too old and I'm in West Virginia. I'm not, I'm not wearing a fucking suit. They this don't is have dumb. suits in West Virginia. They don't I'm, wearing, I'm wearing my sweatsuit. I'm wearing my little track suit. And I'm, you know, I'm going to have my nasty beard with dressed, my mask I'm over I'm comfy. Exactly. I'm here for that because, like, life's too short to wear fucking suits. Right. Fuck yeah. suits. All my homies hate suits. Every you single it, one. You heard it here first. All my homies hate suits. <laughs> Defund the suit. Unless it has track in front of it, all my homies hate suits. Or Santa. Or, or Santa. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. We Santa. <laughs> we Santa. <laughs> all right. Okay. Here, we go. Here we go at number six. And I, I, I just have a straw hat. Like, and I'm picturing Chris Beard in a straw hat. <laughs> Looking at you, Big 12 and SEC. That is festive right there. Also Roy Williams. <laughs> No, Roy Williams oh, in a straw hat. That'd oh be boy, legendary. Roy. Can he also pick a little piece of weed out and just start chewing on it? Oh, yes. M- yeah. Maybe with some overalls, jean overalls or something. Overalls in a straw yes. hat. With the um, picking, I just chewing on the you, the thing of wheat. You get me. And that is, I farmers only. He's from down south. That's how they do it in Texas. You absolutely get me. And, and in line with that, let's go to number five. And you could probably wear this in conjunction with a straw hat, and that's a nice pair of jorts. Good. You yeah, love me some jorts. Get John Cena out there. Skies out, thighs out, baby. Now, are these like Daisy Dukes or below-the-knee jorts? Uh, these are Daisy Dukes for sure. I, I with, agree with that. With some like almost some knee-high boots, maybe like calf-high boots. Oh, Okay. All right. Now, that is a uh... – and put a put a little cowboy hat on there. You oh, have yeah, yourself no an SEC tailgate. I just thought of an idea. I think that every conference should have their uniform. You know, the ACC is doing their polos. Like the SEC can do like jorts and cowboy boots. Big Twelve can do their straw hats and their nonsense. Big East can do uh, John Fanta suits. You know what I mean? Like uh, out the, west, the Big East do... is classy. We got to go tuxedos. Oh, tuxedo t-shirts or tuxedos? Tuxedo t-shirts. We're down to fucking party. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you wore tuxedos to a job that requires you to oh, clean bathrooms. And gray sweatpants. Oh, well, of course. It's gray sweatpants season. Broken anchor gray sweatpants, I'm guessing. Of course. We're company men. <laughs> we we'll just figure out what the West is going to wear, or even if they're going to be there. Wait, does the West exist? I feel uh, like that. 
Can't I feel like we'll have, we'll have there's we'll have the West later. Okay. Either, no matter what, it's going to be skin tight though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no matter what. <laughs> skinny jeans. Mick, Mick and Sean Miller in skinny jeans. Oh my God! Yes. No matter like, what it is, I need to make sure it's really sweaty for Sean. Like, like, honestly, like since we don't have this on our list anymore, since we already talked about it, like like you're like you were talking to before about Sean Miller in a gray polo. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> that, that was all your idea, and I had to I had to shout, shout it out. That's fair. I mean, you you just couldn't beat that. It would just be funny to watch it as the game goes on because like. I feel like when he wears the white shirt, he's either not sweating at all or just absolutely sweating through it to where you can pretty much see his body. He'd but, like, the gray sweatshirt, you can just watch the progression the whole game, you know, which would just be awesome. And that, like, you can just, like, see the trail yeah. getting bigger and bigger. Like in Drake and Josh when he's reading the news or reading the weather oh, or whatever. Yeah. Just sweat is it his hot ass. in here? Sweating his ass off. <laughs> Sean Miller in sweat, dude. He really is the gift that keeps on giving. I absolutely love it. I, I I wish he wasn't on the West Coast so I could watch him more. Like go like go to Pitt. I know, it, it, but it's just gonna be it's gonna make for great uh, Miller and and Nick moments though. Oh God, yeah. Like th- those are games I'll stay up for. Give me Bill Walton and give me uh, <laughs> Miller and Nick. Bill Walton, there's a guy I would never want to commentate one of my games. God, he he was He's he so was on bad. the Illinois Xavier Maui game and it was fucking brutal. He was, he was on the San Diego State one too. What's that? It was on the San Diego State one, too. Oh, I think you're right. I think he had a Colorado game back in the day, too. But it's just brutal when you actually care about the game because you just want to fucking shoot him in the face. You're, you're zoned in, and like you're focused on this game, and he's talking about fucking God. peanut butter. You just want to slug him. And then I wish it was easier to sync up like Byron and Joe for those kind of games, but it's just like they're always like 10 seconds off or whatever. We need to figure that out. We need to figure out how to sync up the, the radio with the fucking the game. Oh, God, yeah. We, we yeah, have no, to. That would solve I, all I, would, I would listen to them – all the time. Every time. Any game that Gus Johnson's not uh, yep. calling, I got Byron and Joe. 100%. Easy money. Best two in the game. <laughs> or, or Andy Mack needs to do his own, like, side broadcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be great if he just did, like, a, uh, like a periscope of just him announcing the game. Oh, my. We'll get him on a nightcap to announce yes. the game. Yeah, I just announced it live. Oh, that 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 that'd be must see TV. That'd be Cap and Andy for real. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do it. We could just do Andy a Cap sandwich on replaced. Andy bread. We could just do an Andy and Cap sandwich. Let's do it. Uh, Cap between a couple. We'll, we'll reach out. We'll, we'll get that going. That was such a good idea from uh, from Bob though. He's like, you guys got to go get Andy back. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I I cut. I did cut that out of the um, audio. But Bomb did re- uh, <laughs> recommend getting Andy Mack on, on the podcast as a guest, and that would be absolutely electric. Four questions, two hours. <laughs> and that, that would be a marathon. <laughs> if we do get that going, buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can't beat it. Ride. I feel like he and Dennis Stewart are you and me in 50 years. I hope so. I think I, I might be Dennis Stewart and that. you might be Andy Mack. I I could only hope so. Like that, yeah. that'd be a dream. <laughs> It'd be funny to get us four in a room together. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean let's it's happening. It. Uh, let's Andy let's Mack, talk to let's talk to Broken Anchor and make it happen. And we'll talk to our agents. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> long number five. <laughs> Should we get to number four? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're up. 
All right, number four, we got the Impractical Joker shirt with the nipples cut out. Yes. I honestly, like, I'm thinking of Frank Vogel right now. I know he's not, not a college basketball coach, but Frank Vogel right now <laughs> with the nipples cut out. Dude, and Joe's got so much swag with it, too. Like, when he takes his jacket off and he just got his nips out, bro. Like, dude, uh, so much swag. You have personality to keep a straight face with the nipples cut out. You have to have. But if you can pull it off, though, you can just be as intimidating as John Thompson. Oh, God, yeah. Like, um, walking around in public in an arena of 15,000 people with your nips out. Honestly, like, swag. whoever's listening to this, like, give us an idea. Like, who do you think is would have the personality to keep a straight face to coach with your nipples cut out? That's a good fucking question. I want to know who you think would be the number one coach to wear a dress shirt with the nips cut out. Honestly, a football coach would be Mike Leach. Oh, I could definitely see that. Yes, yeah, I, no, I, no question. That, that, that's the college football answer. Um, but as far as basketball, <sighs> that's a, that's I really a, don't. That's know. a good one for another day. That's a good one for another day. I can't think of it right now. I mean, yeah, that's a good one though. That's a good one. <laughs> I feel like Mac would do it. I feel like he would. Uh, but yeah. I have to say, um, it would have to be to troll like, a troll with the other team. Right. All right, but on to number three. I'm thinking of just a nice, smooth turtleneck. Turtleneck and chain? Turtleneck and chain. Classic reference, my man. I know you had that in you. Nice job. Yeah, <laughs> a, a nice turtleneck and chain, for sure. Just classic, man. Nice it little is, winter move. It's, it's very smooth and classy. I was thinking the same thing. Holding a glass of wine. Oh, God, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Exquisite. Very exquisite. Very exquisite. Very smooth. Like, another one of those, you know, balls on the table kind of moves. Uh, that is a major flex. Like, you know, I'm so relaxed. I'm, I'm sitting here by a fire with a glass of wine, knowing what the beat you're jazz at. on. Yeah, big chilling. Like, this yeah. is a smooth game. You <laughs> no idea what's coming to you. Yes, deal with it, DePaul. <laughs> I think you wear the turn I can change your playing DePaul. I think you have to. I, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I usually know just like JP, like this is how you not lose by twenty five. Like have that confidence, but where you turn like a chain. God, he's a legend. Man, like that—that's the the type of confidence that you have if you're wearing a turn like a chain. I just love this list because every single item we list off, I just think of Mick wearing it. And And speaking of Mick wearing it, like this one's gonna be great. We got number two, bro tank. Oh God, that's such a Mick move. Talk like you know, because what I think when I think of someone in a bro tank, I think of someone with like little dick energy, like someone that tries to seem cool and seem tough, but they're really not. Literally, yeah. And then that's yeah, and I, right there. There's that one photo of him where he's got like his arms out and he's just like looking like he's like willing to like just throw a punch at somebody. We got to make an edit of that in a bro tank. Okay. Yes. And who's gonna yeah. Photoshop? I suck at it. Clearly, if you yeah, we'll talk to Hydro edits about it. Yeah, we we need <laughs> the edit. <laughs> Yeah, I think we could also make a list of coaches that would wear bro tanks. Because he's definitely – he's the he's number one bro tank. He's the number one bro tank wearer. And uh, this whole list is with the assumption number one is polos, especially Pep Bam polos. And, uh, imagine being a Pep Bam and, and not wearing polos. <sighs> could not be me. Could not, could could not, not be, be our Pep Bam. But moving on to the number one spot andy we've got us which i believe to be the classic and my number one reason for tuning into the maui invitational and that is a nice hawaiian shirt like there's nothing like that just says you know we're ready to party than a hawaiian shirt 
for whatever reason, to me, it's Tom Izzo, probably just because he has super hairy forearms. Because I just think one of the best looks in the world is some khakis, a, you know, a Hawaiian shirt, and some hairy-ass forearms. Just another nuts-on-the-table move. Oh, God. Like, and, like, <laughs> body hair is so intimidating to begin with, especially if, like, unbutton a couple of the buttons. Oh, and you have yeah, the chest you got to have the chest hair out. poking out. Yeah. Big right, moves. Who fucks with that? Nobody. No. And if you're the Hawaii coach and you wear anything ever other than a Hawaiian shirt, what are you doing? Uh, you, you should be fired on the spot. Yeah. I mean, you, you have an excuse, bro. You got to rock it. You got to bring the hollow spirit everywhere you go. I must say, like, Coach Dilly wore a Hawaiian shirt. It's the move, man. I just can't wait to be – I think you have to earn your stripes, though, with the Hawaiian shirt. Like, you got to be at least, like, 10-plus years into your dad mode. You got to be at least like 40, 45. But once you're there and you can rock the Hawaiian shirt, you've got that in your back pocket whenever you need it. Oh, for sure. And Hell of a move. You know, it just shows that, you know, like, you know, I'm 45, but, you know, right. I can still all drink you. Dad's on vacation in Hawaiian shirts. Name a better combo. Especially if they have a straw hat. Oh, maybe some George. Game over. So that is our list, and uh, I don't think it can be beat. If you have anything better, shout us out, which you would love to see, Mick, Sean Miller, any coach wear. Because I think it's also funny when it's coach-specific because there's just certain items that are perfect for a specific coach, oh, like a bro tank. And they, they really are all, all perfect for, Nick, for Mick, but especially the bro tank. Uh, but that is our list, and Granny, you can come back out of bed if you want. Uh, <laughs> thanks for honoring it and uh, hopefully you didn't hear any of that because it's never good um, but I hope you enjoy the Broncos Jets tonight Andy I heard the Broncos were a one point favorite give me that all day give me the Broncos all day long the Broncos in one what they like they were favored by a point over the Jets a one point over the Jets so all yeah. they have to do is fucking win beat the Jets yeah. and my, they might tie points. though you never know you know, that who ties in football? That's a joke. Yeah, yeah the worst. I don't know. People that ties people that think worst. Billy Price is good at football, probably. I mean, honestly, people who like ties and Bobby Hart. Like people Price think Bobby right Hart's guard, good at football. Same people. Yeah, we don't need any help on the right side. No, never. <laughs> so like Billy, like Bobby Hart's playing the best fo- football of his life. He's one of the most under underappreciated and picked on players on the planet. So stupid. I really hope you don't have any players in fantasy tonight, unless you have Melvin Gordon. The only player who probably start. Okay. Fan will get some get some uh, good reps. You're playing him. Blake Bortles is under center. Wow! Goodness gracious. Whew. All right. Now, Andy, I will say the Jets are the only team to make me feel good about being a Bengals fan. Yeah, I can agree with that. Especially like you have a guy like Adam Gaze who looks like he was high on fucking LSD in his um, introduction. Uh, I just see no path to them being good in the next five, ten years. No. At least the Bengals, you have like hope. We have, we have our guy. I've never and it's thought it's not now. Unless the O-line kills him before then, but you at least have some hope. Uh, we, we have some hope for now. I mean, we, we have some direction. We have, a, we, have, we have skill positions locked up. We, have, we, just need, we just need to get it up front. Right. So I hope you enjoy the game, and I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope it's a good time. I hope the, the Heat make it a series. Um, shouts to Adam Baum. Shouts to my boy Cap. Shouts to Andy Mack. Have a great weekend. Let's enjoy it, and we will see you again next Friday.